AI number 39. The week of OpenAI. By Zvi. The board firing Sam Altman, then reinstating him, dominated everything else this week. Other stuff also happened, but definitely focus on that first. Heading. Language models offer mundane utility GPT-4, Turbo substantially outperforms GPT-4 on Arena leaderboard. GPT-3.5, Turbo is still ahead of every model not from either OpenAI or Anthropic. Claude 1 outscores Claude 2 and is very close to old GPT-4 for second place, which is weird. Own too much cryptocurrency? Ian built a GPT that can bank itself using blockchains. Paper says AI pancreatic cancer detection finally outperforming expert radiologists. This is the one we keep expecting that keeps not happening. David Attenborough narrates your life how-to guide, using 11 labs and GPT-4V. Code here. Good pick. Not my top favorite, but very good pick. Another good pick, Larry David as productivity coach. Heading. Language models don't offer mundane utility, oh no. There's an image here in the text. Quote. Kai Greshake. PSA, the US military is actively testing and deploying LLMs to the battlefield. I think these systems are likely to be vulnerable to indirect prompt injection by adversaries. I'll lay out the story in this thread. This is, link in text, Donovan model. Basically, they let an LLM see and search through all of your military data, assets and threat intelligence and then it tells you what you should do. Now, it turns out to be really useful if you let the model see news and public information as well. This is called open source intelligence or OSINT. In this screenshot, you can see them load news and press reports from the target area that the asterisk adversary asterisk can publish. We've shown many times that if an attacker can inject text into your model, you get to reprogram it with natural language. Imagine hiding and manipulating information that is presented to the operators, and then having your little adversarial minion tell them where to strike. Unfortunately, the goal here is to shorten the time to a decision, so cross-checking everything is impossible, and they are not afraid to talk about the intentions. There will be a human in the loop, but that human would get their information from the attacker's minion. At Alex Levinson, head of security at scale, responded to me, saying these are potential vulnerabilities inherent to AI systems do not automatically translate into specific vulnerabilities within individual AI systems, and that, each AI system, is designed with unique security measures that may or may not be susceptible to the vulnerabilities you've identified. Now, I've not had any access to Donovan, and I'm only judging based on the publicly available information and my expertise. I hope everyone can judge for themselves whether they trust Scale to have found a secret fix to this issue that gives them confidence to deploy. Or not. End quote. Yeah, this is, what's the term, completely insane. Not in a, you are going to wake up Skynet, way, although it certainly is not helping on such matters, but in a, you are going to get prompt injected and otherwise attacked by your enemy's way. This does not even get into the ways in which such a system might, for example, be used to generate leaks of classified documents and other intel. You can hook the LLM up to the weapons and your classified data. You can hook the LLM up to outside data sources. You cannot responsibly or safely do both. Pick 1. Robin Hansen survey finds majority see not too much productivity enhancement in software yet. Quote. Robin Hansen.
Median estimate of roughly 7% cut in software time a cost over last 10 years, ignoring LLMs, roughly 4% recently due to LLMs. But high variance of estimates. End quote. There's an image here in the text. Quote. Robin D. Bruill. Lots of experience, and I'm 100% sure it's already less than 90. Also a lot of this saving are on the front end of development, finding and integrating technologies, testing, etc., so prototyping ideas much faster. Quality will improve dramatically too, but hasn't so much yet. End quote. I agree with D. Bruil for most projects. What is less obvious is if this yet applies to the most expensive and valuable ones, where the results need to be rather bulletproof. My presumption is that it still does. I know my productivity coding is up dramatically. Heading. The Q continuum There was a disputed claim in Reuters that prior to Altman's ouster, the board was given notice by several researchers of alarming progress in tests of a new algorithmic technique called Q asterisk, and that this contributed to Altman's ouster. Q refers to a known type of RL algorithm, which it makes sense for OpenAI to have been working on. The reported results are not themselves scary, but could point to scary potential later. If Altman had not shared the results with the board, that could be part of, not consistently candid. However, this story has been explicitly denied in Verge, with their editor Alex Heath saying multiple sources claimed it wasn't true, and my prediction market has the story as 29% to be substantively true even offering, some give. This other market says 40% that Q asterisk is, a significant capabilities advance. For now I will wait for more info. Expect follow-up later. Heading. OpenAI. The saga continues Sam Altman was fired from OpenAI. Now he's back. For details, see my two posts on the subject, OpenAI. Facts from a weekend and OpenAI. Battle of the Boards. The super short version is that Altman gave the board various reasons to fire him that we know about and was seeking to consolidate power. The board fired Altman essentially without explanation. Altman rallied investors especially Microsoft and 97% of the employees. He threatened to have everyone leave and join Microsoft. And the board agreed to resign in favor of a new negotiated board and bring Altman back. What happens next depends on the full board chosen and who functionally controls it. The new temporary board is Brad Taylor, Larry Summers and Adam D'Angelo. The final board will have nine members, one from Microsoft at least as an observer, and presumably Altman will eventually return. That still leaves room for any number of outcomes. If they create a new board that cares about safety enough to make a stand and can serve as a check on Altman, that is a very different result than if the board ends up essentially under Altman's control, or as a traditional board of CEOs who unlike D'Angelo prioritize investors and profits over humanity not dying. We shall see. The loud Twitter statements continue to be that this was a total victory for Altman, and for the conducting of ordinary profit-maximizing VCSV-style business. Or that there is no other way any threat to corporate profits could ever end. That is all in large part a deliberate attempt at manifestation and self-fulfilling declaration. Power as the magician's trick, residing where people believe it resides. Things could turn out that way, but do not confuse such power plays with reality. We do not yet know what the ultimate outcome will be. Nor was Altman's reinstatement inevitable. Imagine a world in which the board, instead of remaining silent, made its case, and also brought incredible additional board members while firing Altman, let's say Taylor, Summers, Shear, and Myra Murati, 
and also did this after the stock sale to employees had finished. I bet that goes considerably differently. Recommended. A timeline history of the OpenAI board. At one point Altman and Brockman were two of four board members. The board has expanded and contracted many times. No one seems to have taken the board sufficiently seriously during this whole time as a permanent ultimate authority that controls its own succession. How are things allowed to get to this point, from all parties? Recommended. Nathan LeBenz offers a thread about his experiences red teaming GPT-4. Those at OpenAI did not realize what they had, they were too used to worrying about shortcomings to see how good their new model was. Despite the willingness to wait a long time before deployment, he finds the efforts unguided, most involved checked out, a fully inadequate process. Meanwhile for months the board was given no access to GPT-4, and when LeBenz went to the board attacks on LeBenz's character were used to silence him. At the We're So Back party at OpenAI, there was a fire alarm triggered by a smoke machine, causing two fire trucks to show up. All future fire alarms are hereby discredited, as are reality's hack writers. Do better. Bloomberg gives additional details on Wednesday afternoon. There will be an independent investigation into the whole incident. A thing Larry Summers once said that seems relevant, from Elizabeth Warren, quote. He teed it up this way. I had a choice. I could be an insider or I could be an outsider. Outsiders can say whatever they want. But people on the inside don't listen to them. Insiders, however, get lots of access and a chance to push their ideas. People, powerful people, listen to what they have to say. But insiders also understand one unbreakable rule. They don't criticize other insiders. I had been warned. End quote. Stuart Buck interprets this as siding with Altman's criticism of Toner. The other implication in context would be that Altman is this form of insider. Which would mean that he will not listen to anyone who criticizes an insider. Which would mean he will not listen to most meaningful criticism. I like to think that instead what we saw was that Altman is willing to use such principles as weapons. My actual understanding of the insider rule is not that insiders will never listen to outside criticism. It is that they do not feel obligated or bound by it, and can choose to ignore it. They can also choose to listen. A key question is whether this is Summers endorsing this rule, or whether it is, as I would hope, Summers observing that the rule exists, and providing clarity. The second insider rule is that you do not talk about the insider rules. Also on Summers, Bloomberg notes he expects AI to come for white-collar jobs. In a worrying sign, he has expressed concern about America losing its lead to China. What a world in which our fate largely rests on the world models of Larry Summers. Palmy Olson writes in Bloomberg that the previous setup of OpenAI was good for humanity, but bad for Microsoft, that the new board will be traditional and current members scream, safe hands to investors. And that Microsoft benefits by keeping the new tech at arm's length to allow OpenAI to move faster. Rob Bensinger asks, if Toner's statements about OpenAI shutting down potentially being consistent with its mission are considered crazy by all employees, what does that say about potential future actions in a dangerous future? Kate Hall reminds us that from the perspective of someone who thinks OpenAI is not otherwise a good thing, those board seats came with a very high price. If the new board proves to not be a check on Altman, and instead the week backfires, years of strategy by those with certain large purse strings made no sense. Claim that Altman at his startup looped had his friends show up during a negotiation, 
and pretend to be employees working on other major deals to give a false impression. As Poster notes, this is Altman being resourceful in the way successful startup founders are. It is also a classic con artist move, and not the sign of someone worthy of trust. After the deal was in place, Vinod Kozler said the non-profit control system is fine, look at companies like IKEA. Does he not understand the difference? Fun claim on Reddit by OpenAI of Thrones, without private knowledge, of a more specific, more extreme version of what I outline in Battle of the Board. That Altman tried to convene the board without Toner to expel her, Ilya balked, that presented both the means and a short window to fire Altman before Ilya changed his mind, and that ultimately Altman blinked and agreed to real supervision. Whatever else happens, we can all set aside our differences to point out the utter failure of the New York Times to understand what happened. Quote. Gary Tan. NYT just going with straight ad hominem with no facts on the front page these days, putting the capitalists in the crosshairs with the tuxedo photos is some high-class real propaganda. Paul Graham. OpenAI's leaders, employees, and code are all about to migrate to Microsoft. Strenuous efforts enable them to remain working for a non-profit instead. New York Times reaction, AI belongs to the capitalists now. End quote. There's an image here in the text. That is very much not how any of this works. On the narrow issue below, performative people like to gloat. But Helen Toner is right, and Greg Brockman is wrong. There's an image here in the text. Heading. Altman could step up it is very much an underdog, but one sincere hope I have is Nixon goes to China. Altman now has the loyalty of his team, a clear ability to shut down what he helped build if crossed an unwavering faith of investors who trust him to find a way. No one can say they do not ship. OpenAI retains a rather large lead in the AI race. The EACC crowd has rallied its flags, and was always more into being against those against things rather than anything else. If Altman and his team really do care deeply about the safe part of building safe AGI, he now has the opportunity to do the funniest, and also the best, possible thing. Rather than navigating a conflict between EA and EACC, or between worried and unworried, Duma and Boomer, he now has the credibility to say that it is time to make serious costly commitments and investments in the name of ensuring that safe AGI is actually safe. Not because he was forced into it. Surely we all know that any such secret promises the old board might have extracted are worth exactly nothing. Not to placate factions or board members. He can do it because he knows it is the right thing to do, and he now is in a position to do it without endangering his power. That is the thing about attempting to align something more capable than you that will pursue power due to instrumental convergence. The early steps look the same whether or not you succeeded. You only find out at the end whether or not the result was compatible with humans. Heading. You thought this week was tough Ilya Sutskiva tried to put the brakes on AI development and remove what he saw at the time as a reckless CEO, from an organization explicitly dedicated to safety. Or at least, that's the story everyone believed on the outside. What happened? An avalanche of pressure from all sides. This despite no attempt to turn off any existing systems. Ask yourself. What would happen if AI was integrated into the economy, or even was a useful tool everyone liked? and it suddenly became necessary to turn it off? Never mind whether we could. Suppose we could, and also that we should. Would we? Would anyone even dare try? Quote. Chris Madison. 
The wrath that at Iliasut is facing is just a prelude of the wrath that will be faced by anyone who tries to unplug an unaligned, supervaluable AI. This weekend has not been encouraging from an AI safety perspective. David Rain. This is an extremely important and underrated point. Once AI systems are deeply integrated into the economy, there's roughly 0% chance we will be able to just turn them off, even if they start acting against our interests. End quote. Heading. Fun with image generation meta introduces emu video and emu edit. Edit means that if you get part of what you want, you can keep it and build upon it. Video is a few seconds of video. I have yet to see any useful applications of a few seconds of video that is essentially things drift in a direction, but someday, right? Heading. Deepfake Town and Botpocalypse soon report of scam deepfake calls hitting right now, asking for bail money. Distinct first-hand report of that same scam, asking for bail money. As a general rule, scammers are profoundly uncreative. The reason the Nigerian scam is still the Nigerian scam is that if you recognize the term Nigerian prince as a scam then you were not about to fall for an Angolan principle either. So for now, while a code word is still a fine idea, you can get most of the way there with any request for bail money or a suspiciously low random amount kidnapping is highly suspicious, probably a scam. An even easier, more robust rule suggests itself. If a phone call leads to a request for money or financial information, assume until proven otherwise that this is a scam. Good rule even without AI. Heading. They took our jobs paper suggests top freelancers are losing business due to ChatGPT. Overall demand drops for knowledge workers and also narrows gaps between them. I would not presume this holds long term. The skill gap has narrowed, but also there is always demand for the best, although they do not find such an effect here. Mostly I would caution against generalizing too much from early impacts in quirky domains. Vance Jin at Eckenlib opposes the EO, gives the standard, they will never take our job speech warning that red teaming, and any other regulation will only slow down innovation, does not even bother dismissing existential risks. Heading. Get involved Dave or is hiring for a new DeepMind alignment team he is joining to start. Post is light on details, including planned technical details. Red teaming competition, goal is to find an embedded Trojan in otherwise aligned LLMs, a backdoor that lets the user do whatever they want. Submissions accepted until February 25th. Heading. Introducing Claude version 2.1. 200k context window, specific prompt engineering techniques, half as many hallucinations, they say, system prompts and experimental tool use for calling arbitrary functions, private knowledge bases or browsing the web. It seems you use things like, or. You can also employ. All seems highly incrementally useful. GPQA, a new benchmark of 448 multiple choice science questions where experts often get them wrong and the answers are Google proof. ChatGPT voice rolls out for all free users, amid all the turmoil, with Greg Brockman promoting it. This is presumably a strong cooperative sign, but it could also be a move to raise costs even further. Heading. In other AI news Microsoft to spend over $50 billion on data centers. Yikes indeed, sir. Meta, while everyone is super distracted by OpenAI drama, breaks up its responsible AI team. To which we all said, Meta has a responsible AI team. I do not believe this is a team worth worrying about. Again, I expect the main effect of yelling when people disband such teams is that companies will avoid making such teams, 
or ensure they are illegible. Yes, they are trying to bury it, but I'm basically okay with letting them. Quote. Jack Morris. Now seems as good a time as ever to remind people that the biggest breakthroughs at OpenAI came from a previously unknown researcher, Alec Radord, with a bachelor's degree from Olin College of Engineering. End quote. Ethan Mollick points out that the OpenAI situation highlights the need to not enforce non-compete agreements in tech. I once sat out six months of magic writing because I had a non-compete, and my attempts to reach a win-win deal to defuse it were roundly rejected, and I keep my agreements. I do think advocates are too eager to ignore the cases where such agreements are necessary in some form, or at least net useful, so it is not as simple as all that. New paper. Building the epistemic community of AI safety. Don't think there's much here, but included for completeness. Heading. Quiet speculations will deep learning soon hit a wall? Gary Marcus says it is already hitting one based on this answer. At the end of the Sam Altman video I discuss in this week in audio, and writes a post suggesting Altman agrees. Quote. Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI. There are more breakthroughs required in order to get to AGI Cambridge student, to get to AGI. Can we just keep minute maxing language models, or is there another breakthrough that we haven't really found yet to get to AGI? Sam Altman, we need another breakthrough. We can still push on large language models quite a lot, and we will do that. We can take the hill that we're on and keep climbing it, and the peak of that is still pretty far away. But, within reason, I don't think that doing that will get us to AGI. If, for example, superintelligence can't discover novel physics, I don't think it's a superintelligence. And teaching it to clone the behavior of humans and human text, I don't think that's going to get there. And so there's this question, which has been debated in the field for a long time. What do we have to do in addition to a language model to make a system that can go discover new physics? Gary Marcus. Translation, deep learning is hitting a wall, Rob Bensinger. What's your rough probability on, in 2026? It will seem as though deep learning hit a non-transient wall at some point in 2023 to 2025, after the relatively impressive results from GPT-4. Michael Vassar. 85% by 2028, 65% in 2026. But economic impact will still be accelerating in 2028 AGI Dumeranon. 25 to 30% maybe, it's where most of my hope comes from, smiley face. Negative utilitarian. 80%. Fang desire. 90%. Though at the same time it's true that a asterisk lot asterisk of things are going to be possible just by modifying the capabilities we have now in basic ways and making them applicable to different scenarios so to a layman it may asterisk look asterisk like we're still progressing at lightning speed. CF. LOL, 0%. Jason. 0%. There's obvious ways forward. Adding short-term memory for a start. Parallel streams of consciousness output that are compared and rated by another LLM. End quote. Such strong disagreement. I opened up a market. A good perspective, quote. Sarah Constantine. The good news is that you'd need an AI to do original science for the worst-case scenarios to occur, and it doesn't look like LLMs are remotely close. The bad news is that at Sama apparently asterisk wants asterisk an AI physicist. End quote. Not remotely close now, but I am not confident about how long until a lot closer. Dwarkesh Patel asks why LLMs with so much knowledge don't notice new correlations and discoveries pretty much at all. 
Eliezer responds that humans are computers too, so this is unlikely to be a fundamental limitation, but we do not know how much more capacity would be required for this to happen under current architectures. Rune predicts better and more creative reasoning will solve it. Heading. The quest for sane regulations FTC is latest agency to give an absurd definition of AI. Quote. UL includes, but is not limited to, machine-based systems that can, for a set of defined objectives, make predictions, recommendations, or decisions influencing real or virtual environments. Generative UL can be used to generate synthetic content including images, videos, audio, text, and other digital content that appear to be created by humans. Many companies now offer products and services using UL and generative UL while others offer products and services that claim to detect content made by generative UL, end quote. I get that a perfect legal definition of AI is hard, but this is broad enough to include essentially every worthwhile piece of software. UK to not regulate AI at all in the short term, to avoid stifling innovation. This could in theory be part of a sensible portfolio, where Sunak helps them lay groundwork for international cooperation and sensible regulation when we need it, while not getting in the way now or it could be a different way to describe the situation. Biden's executive order could also does not regulate AI in the short term in any meaningful way. What's the difference? This could also reflect deep dysfunction. We will see. Simeon attempts to explain one more time why not regulating foundation models, as in letting anyone who wants to create the most dangerous, capable and intelligent systems possible, won't work. No, you can't meaningfully regulate applications, by then it is too late. Also he notes that to the extent Mistral, the most prominent voice advocating this path, has a track record on alignment, it is atrocious. Corporate Europe on how big tech undermined the AI Act. Much to wince over on many fronts. It confirms the basic story of big tech lobbying hard against regulations with teeth then Mistral and Aleph Alpha lobbying hard against those same regulations by claiming the regulations are a big tech conspiracy. Nice trick. Politico Pro EU's Vincent Manoncourt. New, EU, crazy, to consider carve-out for foundation models in AI Act, godfather of AI Yoshua Bengio told me. He warned block risks, law of the jungle, for most advanced forms of the tech. Story for pros here, Control AI points out that. Mistral's lobbying champion is the former French tech minister for Macron, who has very much reversed his tune. I've heard other reports as well that this relationship has been central. Italy seems to be with Germany and France on this. Others not so much, but that's rather a bit three, who want a regime with zero teeth whatsoever. Other officials walked out in response. Quote. This is a declaration of war, a parliament official told Euractive on condition of anonymity. End quote. Max Tegmark and Joshua Bengio indeed point out that this would be the worst possible thing. Connor Dunlop of Euractive argues regulating AI foundation models is crucial for innovation. I agree that the proposed regulations would assist, not hurt, Mistral and Aleph Alpha, the so-called would-be upstart, national champions. I do not think the link post effectively makes that case. Heading that is not what totalitarianism means one approach to dismissing any attempts to not die, or any form of regulation on AI, has always been to refer to any, and in many although not all cases I do mean any, restriction or regulation on AI as totalitarianism. They want people to think of a surveillance state with secret police looking for rogue laptops and monitoring your every keystroke. Plus airstrikes. 
What they are actually talking about is taking frontier models, the creation and deployment of new entities potentially smarter and more capable than humans, and applying a normal regulatory regime. It is time to treat such talk the same way we treat people who get arrested because they deny the constitutional right of the United States government to collect income taxes. As in, I am not saying that taxation is not theft, but seriously, get a grip, stop it. As an excellent concrete example with 500k plus views up top, I am highly disappointed in this disingenuous thread from Brian Chow. Quote. Brian Chow. Did you guys know there's 24 author paper by EACE, for EACE, about how totalitarianism is absolutely necessary to prevent AI from killing everyone? End quote. What is this totalitarianism as it applies here, as Chow explains it? Quote. They predictably call for exactly the kind of regulatory capture most convenient to OpenAI, DeepMind, and other large players. From paper, quoted by Chow, blocks for the regulation of frontier models are needed, 1. Standard setting processes to identify appropriate requirements for frontier AI developers, 2. Registration and reporting requirements to provide regulators with visibility into frontier AI development processes, and 3. Mechanisms to ensure compliance with safety standards for the development and deployment of frontier AI models. End quote. In other words, that totalitarianism is, 1. Standards for frontier models. 2. Registration and reporting of training runs. 3. Mechanisms allowing enforcement of the safety rules. This is not totalitarianism. This is a completely ordinary regulatory regime. I checked with Claude, which was about as kind to Chow's claims as I was. If you want to argue that standard regulatory interventions tend to favor insiders and large players over time, I will agree. We could then work together against that on 90%, 98% of issues, while looking for the best solution available in the AI space. Or you can make your true position flat out text. Here's how the paper describes three ways their regulatory regime might fail. Quote. The unexpected capabilities problem. Dangerous capabilities can arise unpredictably and undetected, both during development and after deployment. The deployment safety problem. Preventing deployed AI models from causing harm is a continually evolving challenge. The proliferation problem. Frontier AI models can proliferate rapidly, making accountability difficult. End quote. Here's how Brian Chow describes this, quote. Brain Chow. They lay out three obstacles to their plans. If you pause for a moment and read the lines carefully, you will realize they are all synonyms for freedom. End quote. If you want to take the full anarchist position, go ahead. But own it. In addition to the above mischaracterization, he then rebuts the four claims of harm. Here is his reason biological threats don't matter. Quote. One rupee. The limiting factor of designing new biological weapons is equipment, safety, and not killing yourself with them. No clue why this obviously false talking point is trotted out by EA so often. End quote. This seems to be a claim that no amount of expertise or intelligence enables the importantly easier creation of dangerous, biological pandemic agents. Not only the claim, but the assertion that this is so obviously false that it is crazy to suggest. He says repeatedly, show me the real examples, dismissing the danger of anything not yet dangerous. That is not how any of this works. Heading. 
the week in audio Sam Altman at Cambridge Union Society on November 1 accepting an award and answering questions. Opening speech is highly skippable. The risks and promise of AI are both front and center throughout, I provide a summary that suffices, except you will also want to watch that last question, where Sam says more breakthroughs are needed to get to AGI. The existential risk protest interruption is at about 5 p.m. and is quite brief. At 19.30 he describes OpenAI as tool builders. Notice every time someone assumes that sufficiently capable AIs would long remain our tools. Right after that he says that young programmers are now outperforming older ones due to greater familiarity with AI tools. 10 p.m. Sam says he learned two things in school. How to learn new things, and how to think of new things he hadn't heard elsewhere. Learning how to learn was all the value, the content was worthless. 25.30 Sam responds to the protest, saying that things decay without progress, the benefits can't be ignored, there needs to be a way forward. Except of course no, there is no reason why there needs to be a way forward. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. 34.00 Sam's primary concern remains misuse. 47.00 Sam discusses open source, warns of potential to make an irreversible mistake. Calls immediately open sourcing any model trained insanely reckless but says open source has a place. From two weeks ago, I happened to listen to this right before Friday's events. OpenAI co-founder Ilya Sutskiva on no priors. Probability of doom went up as I heard him express the importance of ensuring future AIs have, his term, warm feelings towards us, or needing it to be pro-social, or, humanity-loving. That is not how I believe any of this works. He's working alongside Leica on superalignment, and he is still saying that, and I do not understand how or why. But assuming they can continue to work together after this and still have OpenAI support, they can hopefully learn and adjust as they go. It is also very possible that Ilya is speaking loosely here and his actual detailed beliefs are much better and more precise. What is very clear here is Ilya's sincerity and genuine concern. I wish him all the best. Yoshua Bengio talk, towards AI safety that improves with more compute. I have not watched yet. Davidad brief thread compares his approach to those of Bengio and Tegmark. Heading. Rhetorical innovation some basic truth well said. Quote. David Sachs. I'm all in favor of accelerating technological progress, but there is something unsettling about the way OpenAI explicitly declares its mission to be the creation of AGI. AI is a wonderful tool for the betterment of humanity. AGI is a potential successor species. By the way, I doubt OpenAI would be subject to so many attacks from the safety movement if it wasn't constantly declaring its outright intention to create AGI. To the extent the mission produces extra motivation for the team to ship good products, it's a positive. To the extent it might actually succeed, it's a reason for concern. Since it's hard to assess the likelihood or risk of AGI, most investors just think about the former. End quote. How true is this? Quote. Staff engineer. If you don't believe in existential risk from artificial superintelligence, then you don't believe in artificial superintelligence. You're just looking at something that isn't scary so you don't have to think about the thing that is. Jeffrey Ladish. Agree with the first sentence but not the second. Many people are just choosing to look away, but some genuinely think ASI is extremely hard or very far away or impossible. I think that's wrong, but it doesn't seem like a crazy thing to believe. End quote.
Eliezer Yudkowsky notes that people constantly gaslight us saying, creating smarter than human AIs would not be a threat to humanity's survival and gets gaslit by most of the comments, including the gaslighting that those who warn of AI's existential risk deny its upsides and those who warn of AI's existential risk do not say over and over that not ever building it would be a tragedy. Your periodic reminder and reference point. AI has huge upside even today. Future more capable AI has transformational insanely great upside, if we can keep control of the future, not get killed and otherwise choose wisely. Never building it would be a great tragedy. However, it would not be as big a tragedy as everyone dying, so if those are the choices then don't f asterisk asterisk asterisking build it. On liars and lying, a perspective on such questions very different from my own. Your periodic reminder that, Duma, is mostly a label used either as shorthand, or as a cudgel of those who want to ridicule the idea that AI could be existentially dangerous. Whereas those who do worry have widely varying opinions. Eliezerkowski. Disturbing tendency to conflate anyone who believes in any kind of AGI risk as a Duma. If that's the definition, Sam Altman is a Duma. Ilya Sutskiva is a Duma. Helen Toner is a Duma. Shane Legg is a Duma. I am a Duma. Guess what? We are importantly different Doomers. None of their opinions are my own, nor their plans, nor their choices. Right or wrong, they are not mine and do not proceed from my own reasons. Your periodic reminder that a for-profit business has in practice a strong economic incentive to not kill all of its customers, but only to the extent that would leave other humans alive, but not leave it as many customers. If everyone is dead, the company makes no money, but no one cares or is punished for it. Quote. Packy McCormick, A16Z. The cool thing about for-profit AI, from an alignment perspective, is that it gives you a strong economic incentive to not kill all of your customers. Rob Bensinger. If you die in all the scenarios where your customers die, then I don't see how for-profit improves your long-term incentives. I and all my loved ones and the entire planet die, is just as bad as I and all my loved ones and the entire planet die, and a bunch of my customers. A for-profit structure may or may not be useful for other reasons, but I don't think it's specifically useful because of the, all my customers suddenly die, at the same time the reset of humanity does, scenario, which is the main scenario to worry about. End quote. Do the events of the past week do all nuance even more than usual? Quote. Hasib. This weekend we all witnessed how a culture war is born. Ea acts now have their original sin they can point back to. This will become the new thing that people feel compelled to take a side on EACC versus diesel, and nuance or middle ground will be punished. End quote. Such claims are constant. Everything that happens nuance is presumed dead. Also every time most people with the EACC label speak nuance is announced dead. Them I do not worry about, they are a lost cause. The question is whether a lot of otherwise reasonable people will follow. Too soon to tell. Not the argument you want to be making, but. Quote. Misha Gurevich. People who think EAX risk worries about AI are a destructive ideology. Imagine the kind of ideologies artificial intelligences are gonna have. End quote. Heading. Aligning a smarter than human intelligence is difficult following up on the deceptive alignment paper from last week. Quote. Robert Wiblin. In my mind the probability that normal AI reinforcement will produce deceptive alignment is like 30%.
so extremely worth working on, and it's crazy we don't know. But it might turn out to be a red herring. What's the best evidence argument that actually it's less than 1% or greater than 90%? End quote. Bunch of mostly terrible arguments in various directions in reply, I notice a key difference here. Wiblin is saying 30% to deceptive alignment. Last week's estimate was similar, 25%, but it was conditional on the AI already having goals and being situationally aware. Conditional on all that, I am confused how such behavior could fail to arise. Unconditionally is far less clear. I still expect to almost always see something that is effectively deceptive alignment. The AI system will figure out to do that which, within the training environment, best convinces us it is aligned. That's the whole idea with such techniques. I do not assume that the AI will then go, aha, fooled you, now that I am not being trained or tested I can stop pretending. I don't rule that out, but my default scenario is that the thing we got it to do fails to generalize out of distribution the way we expected. That it is sensitive to details and context in difficult to anticipate ways that do not match what we want in both directions. That it does not generalize the ways we hope for. We discover that we did not, after all, know how to specify what we wanted, in a way that resulted in things turning out well. Is that deceptive alignment? You tell me. Here's Eliezer's response, quote. Eliezer Yadkowski. Are you imagining that it won't be smart enough to do that? Or that deception will genuinely not be in its interests, because it gets just as much of what it wants with humans believing true things as the literally optimal state of affairs? Or that someone solved soft optimization? How do you imagine the weird, special circumstances where this doesn't happen? Remember that if Miri is worried about a scenario, that means we think it's a convergent endpoint and not some specific pathway. If you think we're trying to predict a hard-to-predict special case, then you've misunderstood a central argument. Robert Wiblin. Joe's paper does a better job than me of laying out ways it might or might not happen. But, not being smart enough isn't an important reason. Not trained to be a global optimizer is one vision. Another is that the reinforcement for doing things we like and not things we don't like, with some common sense adjustments to how the feedback works suggested by alignment folks, evolves models to basically do what we want and share our aversions, maybe because that's the simplest and most efficient, most parsimonious way to get reward during training. The wedge between what we want and what we reward isn't large enough to generate lots of scheming behavior, because scheming isn't the best way to turn compute into reward in training setups. End quote. I am so completely confused by Wiblin's position here, especially that last sentence. Why would scheming not be the best way to turn compute into rewards? Why would a completely honest, consistent, straightforward approach be the most rewarded one, given how humans decide how to reward things? I don't get it. Eliezer Yudkowsky offers what for him counts as high praise. Quote. Eliezer Yudkowsky, cuting what follows here. This seems a very weak test of the ability of dumber judges to extract truth from smarter debaters, but the methodology could be adapted to tougher tests. Increasingly tough versions of this are a good candidate for standard evals. Julian Michael. As AIs improve at persuasion and argumentation, how do we ensure that they help us seek truth versus just sounding convincing? In human experiments, we validate debate as a truth-seeking process, showing that it may soon be needed for supervising AI. Paper here. When a doctor gives a diagnosis, common advice is to get a second opinion to help evaluate whether to trust their judgment, 
because it's too difficult to evaluate their diagnosis by yourself. The idea, originally proposed by at Jeffrey Irving et al., is that having equally capable adversarial AIs critique each other's answers will make it easier for non-expert judges to evaluate their truthfulness. But does this actually hold in practice? We find for the first time on a realistic task that the answer is yes. We use NYU competitive debaters to stand in for future AI systems, having them debate reading comprehension questions where the judge asterisk can't see the passage asterisk, except for quotes revealed by the debaters. We compare debate to a baseline we call asterisk consultancy asterisk, where the judge interacts with a single expert that has a 50% chance of lying. We use this to explicitly elicit dishonest behavior that may implicitly arise in methods like RLHF. We find that judges are significantly more accurate in debate than consultancy, and debates are much more efficient, at two-thirds the length on average. Furthermore, many of the errors we observe in debate seem fixable with more careful judging and stronger debaters. In a third of mistakes, judges end the debate prematurely, and in nearly half, honest debaters mistakenly missed key evidence that would have helped them win. We don't see a difference in accuracy or efficiency between debate and consultancy when using GPT-4 as a debater, yet. In particular, GPT-4 was not very skilled at deception, which may not remain the case for future powerful AI systems. As we move from relatively unskilled AI systems to skilled humans, non-expert judge accuracy asterisk improves asterisk with debate, but asterisk decreases asterisk with consultancy. This suggests that training AI systems to debate may be an important alternative to methods like RLHF as models improve. In the paper, we lay out considerations on how to train AI debaters and open problems that need to be solved. End quote. How optimistic should we be about this in the AI case where you are trying to do this to use outputs of models you cannot otherwise trust? I continue to assume this will break exactly when you need it to not break. It could have mundane utility in the period before that, but I always worry about things I assume are destined to break. Thread with Nora Belrose and Eliezer Yudkowsky debating deceptive alignment. Nora bites the bullet and says GPT for scaled up in a naive way would not have such issues. Whereas I would say, that seems absurd, GPT for already has such problems. Nora takes the position that if your graders and feedback suck, your AI ends up believing false things the graders believe and not being so capable, but not in a highly dangerous way. I continue to be confused why one would expect that outcome. Heading. People are worried about AI killing everyone quote. Rune reminds us that people acting like idiots and making deeply stupid strategic power moves, only to lose to people better at power moves, has nothing to do with the need to ensure we do not die from AI. Rune. Throughout all this please remember a few things that will be critical for the future of mankind. This coup had nothing to do with AI safety. Sama has been a global champion of safe AGI dev. The creation of new life is fraught and no one must forget that for political reasons sorry if the second point is vague. I literally just mean don't turn your back on X risk just because of this remarkably stupid event end quote. We need better words for stuff that matters. But yes. Quote. Rune. If a group of people are building artificial life in the lab and don't view it with near-religious significance you should be really concerned. End quote. Axios Jim Van Hay and Mike Allen may or may not be worried about existential risk here, but they say outright that, this awesome new power, cannot be contained, ethics never triumphs over profits, never has, never will. So we will get whatever we get. I say this is at best midwit meme territory. 
Sometimes, yes, ethics or love or the common good wins. We are not living in a full-on cyberpunk dystopia of unbridled capitalism. I am not saying it will be easy. It won't be easy. It also is not impossible. Heading. Other people are not as worried about AI killing everyone it is important to notice this non-sequitur will be with us, until very late in the game. There is always some metaphorical hard thing that looks easy. Quote. Catherine D. had an ex who worked on self-driving cars. He once said to me, you can't use self-checkout or self-ticketing machines at the airport reliably. No AI overlords are coming. I think about that a lot. Eliezer Yadkowski. This really is just a non-sequitur. Not all machines are one in their competence. The self-checkout machines can go on being bad indefinitely, right up until the $10 billion frontier research model inside the world's leading AI lab starts self-improving. End quote. What term would he prefer to use for the possibility? Quote. Stuart Brand. Maybe this is the episode that makes the term existential risk as passé as it needs to be. End quote. When someone tells you who they are, believe them. Quote. Rune, Sunday evening. I truly respect everyone involved in the OpenAI situation. Eliezer Yadkowski. I respect that. Anton. If one has actual principles, this is not possible. End quote. Heading. The lighter side and when you see them you shall call them by their true name. There's an image here in the text. This article was narrated by Type 3 Audio for Less Wrong. It was first published on November 23, 2023. To report an issue or give feedback on this narration, go to t3a.i.s.